0: You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Stephen Shiner, VP of Business Development for Brain Corporation. When it comes to robotics permeating the industry, it's not a question of if, but when. But while low-level tasks continue to see adoption, higher-level jobs require a bit more brain power. And getting there isn't as easy as online videos make it seem. Stephen Shiner of Brain Corporation joins us to talk about what's real, what's not quite there just yet, and whether you should be on the lookout for Terminators anytime soon. My guest today on the Inbound Logistics Podcast is Stephen Shiner, Vice President of Business Development for Brain Corporation. Stephen, thank you so much for waking up so early to talk with the Inbound Logistics Podcast today. Yeah, my pleasure. Stephen, can you give my audience a little bit of information about who you are how you got involved in the industry, and what you do right now with uh, Brain Corporation?
1: Well, I've been a, a marketing and sales executive for the last 35, 40 years and, and very heavily involved in technology and early startups and uh, um, really cutting-edge technologies. And I just happened to have met the, the CEO, Eugene Yichkiewicz, and we started talking about what he was doing with his business model. I was very intrigued, and, and when he asked me to come on board, I couldn't say no. I mean, what Brain Corp is is all about is is navigation and basically solving um, a really hard problem that most companies fail to fail to solve. So what he uh, really realized is is that. The vast majority of people can get their products to what we call YouTube ready. You can get a video on YouTube. It shows something navigating in an indoor space, but it's not a commercially viable product, but it looks like it could get there. And what we've discovered is getting that last 15% is really where all the money is spent in terms of being able to turn equipment into robotics.
0: Oh, yeah, right. The the name Brain Corporation, kind of an odd name. How did that come about?
1: Well, it just so happens that the two founders of the company uh, are both neuroscientists, and in fact, world-famous neuroscientists. Um, in fact, Eugene's books are used to teach all the computational map in, the, in most of the neuroscience programs all over the country. So for him, it was a natural extension because the theory that we operate on is that the equipment will, will basically work or in robotics works if you can emulate as much of the brain as possible. And, in fact, our navigation system is very much like you see it, you learn it, and then you repeat it, which is something that, of course, our brains are trained to do.
0: Right, right, right. Now, that navigation solution, is that what you're bringing to the robotics game that uh, might have been missing until now?
1: Yeah, well, again, it, you know, it goes back to my earlier comment about how hard it is to make a commercially viable product when you're moving something that's relatively large. Mm. Right? It's easy enough if it's a rumba and if it bung, bangs into your foot... It's not the end of the world or it hits the wall. It's not going to go through a wall. When you're, you're dealing with a forklift or an 800-pound cleaning piece of equipment, you know, floor equipment, if it goes into the wall, it takes the wall with it. <laughs> right. So, so it, it, it's very much an order of magnitude problem, that, you know, being able to build that. So what Eugene decided was that the skill set, and understanding how to create navigation and do the computational math for it was this was a really worthwhile um, product or, or I guess, exercise in terms from a from a scientific point of view. And when you're operating indoors, which is where we operate best, you're not depending on things like GPS. You really are depending on how good you can come up with solutions for for vision and for understanding how to make the cameras work. Because at the end of the day, we have a machine that effectively has eyes that sends information to a brain, and that's telling it how to operate.
0: Right. And it's right. got to be
1: you know, 99.99999% <laughs> effective because there's really no room for error when you're going up and down the aisle of a grocery store.
0: Now, with all the stuff that you were talking about, uh, the stuff that you may find on YouTube, in the robotics field now, given all that hype, what is real and what is not right now?
1: So, <clears throat> reality is... Most of it is real, and most of it is not a question of if, it's a question of when, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is overhyped. The idea that you're going to see massive amounts of um, cars, autonomous vehicles, driving all over the streets of North America or the world is, is just false. It can't happen. It can't happen for all kinds of reasons beyond technology. One of the big problems with autonomous cars is the people who are driving cars don't operate like machines, so they're not logical. I mean, there's all these other issues that get into it. But as we see this confluence of, of factors getting together, robotics are ultimately the you know not, not a problem. They're the solution. Um, we have labor shortages. We have jobs people don't want to do. They tend to be the kind of jobs that are repetitive, which means they can be replaced relatively easily by robotics. And we'll see over time between robotics and AI that machines will replace a, a lot of high-value or very low-value labor jobs. And ultimately, you know, it'll it'll move its way up into the into the jobs that are pure, pure brain power. You know, I I would not I would not feel safe if I was a doctor either. Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, just think about what happens when 100 million pieces of equipment that are monitoring people all over the all over the place. Share that information in one pool. You think that the machine could do a better job of diagnosing you than a doctor who went to medical school 25 years ago?
0: The robots' hands are going to be much colder, I would think, though.
1: Yeah, they will, and but and the bill will probably be bigger. <laughs> Welcome to America, but but, <laughs> but so I, it's going to but it's not it's a disruptive technology. It doesn't mean it's all bad. Right, right, right. That's the key.
0: Now, speaking of that, which sectors do you think then show the most immediate promise for for robot applications?
1: Well, I think what you have to look at is what robots are really capable of doing today. So clearly, anything that has to do with delivery and warehouses, and again, repetitive tasks that are relatively easy to train a machine to do. I mean, uh, you know, it's e- relatively easy to train a machine to go up and down and, and mow the lawns in a, in a golf course. It's not so easy when it's a small contained space with a lot of trees and everything else. Um, so look for repetitive tasks. Those are the first things mm-hmm. to, get, to get turned into robots. And then it'll move its way up the chain.
0: Right.
1: Warehouses are clearly there, you know, retail stores. By the way, the other thing to look at is labor, labor um, effectiveness. I mean, one of the problems that a lot of people have today is not that they need to buy and necessarily get a robot because it's more efficient. They need to get a robot because they can't get an employee to do the work. Mm-hmm. Try finding someone to clean floors in a, in a market like San Jose, California and pay $15 an hour, $20 an hour for it. They don't, nobody comes for the job. So mm-hmm. It's The mistake people are making, they thinking that robots are really about replacing labor. And in this country, especially the way we're moving it, it's going to be more about finding labor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who's going to pick fruit?
0: Now, on the other side of that, there's, there are some barriers for uh, robot applications. One is the, the cost of the hardware. But uh, our readers are telling us that programming is a challenge, uh, particularly when uh, the robots have to change and adapt. And the uh, change dynamics tend to accelerate at a rapid pace in that industry. So how fast will robots be able to adapt and change to those faster change requirements?
1: Um, if Moore's law stays in place and we continue in the tra- trajectory that we're going, you know, is it, I don't know the exact time, but but what you'll see is it'll just continue to climb up that ladder, right? Go from from one, get faster and faster and faster over time I, I could foresee a day when, you know, 80% of what humans do, robots can do, as long as it's repetitive hmm. and logical enough that you can program for. It. I mean, the speed of the speed of change is, is rapid, but first think of robots are not really are the first robots are really not so much designed to replace people, but actually to as workforce enhancements or to improve part of the process. So what you're going to see is a lot of incremental growth. Uh, I can't solve the whole problem. I can solve 20 or 30 percent of it with a robot. So I solve the 20 or 30 percent because it's profitable to do so. And then as robotics gets better, I'll take off of you know, lop off another 10 percent or 20 percent over time. Right. But it's iterative. By the way, we've been using robots for you know uh, <laughs> what? How long have robots been in the factory? Thirty right. years.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and they yeah, it's they're not a replacement right now for sure. They're they're definitely something to kind of help the the human resources do their job, right?
1: Again, I, everybody always says every technology is disruptive and it's going to destroy the labor pool, um, and and it goes all the way back to the Ludites who wanted to get rid of the loom. But you know, <laughs> it, it hasn't been the case. Right. Right? Human beings seem to find other valuable things that need to get done. Sure. Um, and. Again, aging population, all the all the demographics speak to a need for robotics. Right. It's not going to be. Oh my God, they took jobs. It's going to be. Hey, if we don't have anybody to do the jobs, we better have a robot.
0: <laughs> and what about small to medium businesses? Uh, can they participate in the robot revolution given the 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 cost entry that's uh, required?
1: So yes. So, for example. At Brain Corporation, the first vertical that we've we've done a really good job of penetrating in is in in floor scrubbing equipment. Um, They operate in retail stores, warehouses, factories, et cetera. Um, It's a robot that that the labor savings will pay for it. More importantly, (laughs) a lot of our customers actually buy them because they clean floors better because robots are more consistent and they never forget the spot. They just go where you tell them to go and they do it every day, et cetera. But but so a lot of them it's a floor cleaning, but what it's allowed them to do is free up their staff for four hours a day to do something more more uh, more important or harder to do or something that's been neglected. So yes, of course, prices'll keep dropping down at the end of the day robots are consumer products. they follow that same you know they'll follow that same kind of trajectory the things that make robots expensive like lidar and And different kinds of cameras and the computing power required all gets cheaper and cheaper. So, yes, of course they will.
0: And so what three tips would you offer to anybody uh, looking into making an investment in robotic solutions?
1: So the first one is resist the 19-year-old kid that tells you that they can, over the weekend, make a robot work and give you a YouTube video who underestimate completely how hard it is to get the last 15%. So we, we very often now get two kinds of inquiries. The one that we like the best, quite frankly, is the one that said, I just spent a million and a half dollars and I'm 85% home and I can't figure out how to get the last 15% and I'm tired of spending money on it. So I caution you to believe that it's that easy to do because it just isn't. Um, the second thing is is find the core competence that you can that you can really do well and partner for the other things that you need because that's the other problem that, that we run into, especially with startups is that it's really difficult to be good at two things that are really difficult so for example if you're trying to build a warehouse management stack to do something unique like pull things off a shelf and at the same time you've got to take half your workforce and have them figure out how to navigate to the shelf you're better off you're better off putting all your people on the one high value thing that you do that's unique than in something that somebody else can do for you and then the third thing is just you know Don't think of the replacing 100% of what you do. Look for the pieces that make sense. If you can replace 40 or 50% of what you do with a robot, that probably is enough or may be enough. At the end of the day, if you have a security robot, for example, and all it does is reduces the amount of people that you have on a lake ship that you have trouble filling, that's enough to justify a robot. $1,500 a month or $2,000 a month employee that you can't find. So you have to think about the think about it incrementally. It's not very rarely will it be a total solution, but it more and more is becoming part of the solution.
0: And we're definitely very far off from Cyberdyne and Terminators, right?
1: Um, <laughs> <I hope so. laughs> you hesitated there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the toy though. <laughs> oh, right,
0: right, okay, good enough. Um, so, where can uh, our audience go to find out more information uh, about Brain Corporation's offerings?
1: Well, this may shock you, but we have a website. Um, oh, Braincorporation dot com. Okay. So that's a, that's a great first step. Or um, you know, you can always check in Google. We're in we're in San Diego, so we welcome visits, especially in the winter, from all the folks spending metal in Wisconsin. We're pretty, you know, we're 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 there.
0: Excellent, great, Stephen Shire, Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us and. uh We'll see you in the future with uh, the robots right next to us.
1: Great. I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game.
0: logistics podcast is a production of inbound logistics magazine for the most in-depth information around logistics transportation and supply chain practices get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogisticscom slash subscribe connect with us via linkedin twitter facebook and youtube for the most current developments in the industry if you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at